Hey, welcome to Invisible Not Broken. This is our panel discussion today. Yeah, we're going to be talking about disability and work. And those two things do um, either really go together or don't go together. And there's a lot of misinformation about all of it. So Kiris and I have a lot of <laughs> um, so much experience with this topic. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> um, so we'll start with... Um, the first thing is that if you don't work, we'll start with not working and then we'll kind of move into the, the working side of things. If you don't work, there's so much guilt because in our culture especially, your value is how much you're contributing. And if you're not working, you're not contributing to your family, to whatever. And so there's this massive amount of guilt of I should be doing something or I should be doing more, which sometimes leads you to overdo the things you do do. And then you end up hurting yourself more. But that's a whole different topic. <laughs> and I actually think that's totally relevant to this topic. Like, I, I just, I think if any of the Spoonies are driving, do not start raising your hand with, yes, me too, because <laughs> holy fuck, all of us um, have pushed ourselves to a point where we've damaged ourselves. And part of that's just intrinsic in being chronically disabled. Yeah. Because you really walk a razor edge line between I need to listen to my body and I need to do things still. And there's, there's really no good answer to it, but the guilt thing. And you know, you've, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you listen to even, I also talked about this a few weeks ago from just a female perspective, because uh, ranting, raving feminist and with <laughs> your apologies. Yep. You can go ahead and laugh at me, but part of like, being from the first wave of guerrilla warfare feminism raised in like seventies and eighties was that I was told I had to work. I had to get a job. I, that being staying at home was, um, not that it wasn't an option, but it was not going to be the right thing. Yeah. It wasn't the right thing to do. Well, I mean, from my parents' perspective, they were really like right out of the idea of staying at home. And my mom really, it was very clear that I was going to go to college. I was going to have a job. I was going to support myself. And, Yep. The level of guilt I felt because I started working at 13. Uh, yeah. 15. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I've always had a job. I've always worked. And when I couldn't find a job, I started a business. Like, <laughs> I, I, I do not stay still well anyway. But the, it wasn't just, like, guilt on, like, I'm not making money for my family, which is huge. Don't get me wrong. Oh, will test that. Even when she's got things that are thrown out, parts of her body that are not connected in the right way. <laughs> She never sits still. Yeah. um, Yeah. We're even recording this. uh, (laughs) Sounds so wrong. We're recording this from my, the the text I send this poor man. I mean, if if anyone did not know the story, they'd be like, why are you telling him to enter your bedroom? I can't sit up today because I dislocated my femur while getting my shoulder relocated today. So we are recording from my bed because I can't stand. Yeah. And I'm wearing a knee brace. So trying to find a way to sit comfortably on her bed (laughs) is killing me. So So, I'm making sacrifices to be here <laughs> we are sacrificing for you all how is that for the jewish mother you oh lord appreciate us <laughs> um but the the guilt that i felt was so double-edged i felt like i was not only disappointing my family my kids my husband but also like i was disappointing like what my parents had wanted for me and it might sound heavy-handed but it's really truly how i felt like when i started my business i was a single mom and my kid would look up to me, like my son. I remember him being really little, and I'd have to take him with me to business meetings. And this one time I gave a talk about the importance of headshots. And mm-hmm. I used to be very shy. I know. Shocking. Which is photography, not like killing people. Uh, well, 
depends. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, most of my clients were absolutely amazing, lovely, still friends. <laughs> really, all of you know who you are. Um, but I just started this business, and I just started learning how to speak in public, which is still debatable on how well I do on that. <laughs> um, but I brought my four-year-old uh, because his um, babysitting didn't work out. And I, I viscerally remember, like, I sat down, people applauded, and he looked up at me with big, big, sweet blue eyes. And I was like, I'm so proud of you, Mom. And it was like showing him that I could work and that I could mm-hmm. build something from nothing. That was a huge pride point. And that was one of the hardest things about shutting down my business. And, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That was, that was really difficult on so many ways of feeling like I wasn't living up to even what my kids were proud of. And, um, I, re- I have talked to someone, I hope that person does not mind. I will not give anything away except to say <laughs> that there's an issue with worried about how your partner will see you. Right. And will your partner still be proud of you? Will your partner still see you as someone vital? And um, the kind of, like, we all change throughout a marriage, but this is a big change. Productive to, you know, that they see you as not something that's just a drain on them. Yeah. And will you have to justify your day every day? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) The sad thing is, is that I know David doesn't require me to justify my day, but I find that I still end up doing it. Uh Uh-huh. Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, David is, <laughs> I love, love, love Kiris's husband. They are some of my favorite people. <laughs> um, my husband is one of the sweetest, most supportive humans. And I go through this poor man comes home from like this long day of work yep. and commuting. And I feel the need to give him this entire rundown of, of what every you did for the possible day. thing I did for the day. And it's not like I want him to feel guilty because he didn't do any of the like house stuff. But it's like, look, look, I still have that. I'm still doing stuff. I'm trying. Oh, and God, yes. Yeah, it's pitiful. And I feel like I feel like my dog, you know, like, <laughs> tell me I'm pretty, tell me I'm good. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And I've never been needy or clingy like this. And it's... um. It's frustrating, and I'm so impressed that we don't. He and I don't have more problems around this, and I think that is strictly because he is better at marriage than I am. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's um, the guilt is huge. And please, if you have your own stories about how you handle your guilt, I'm up for taking some serious suggestions here. Definitely. <laughs> um, and also, if you just want to like fume about this like part of our fun of the panel discussions is we get to fume for a minute or two. <laughs> if you need to fume please like tweet at us invisible not broken um, yeah. and tell us, us tell know. us tell us what how you get over that issue of being guilty and and feeling like you know you have to justify your entire day because i would love some advice on that <laughs> well it's kind of like you know when we ask kids like what do you want to be when you grow up and it's not because we want to know it's because we want advice <laughs> so we're gonna leave comments open in this um on this panel so that you can comment on it so so moving on to the next topic um so once you have a job the first thing you're gonna have to deal with with regards to um being uh having an invisible illness is getting to work so, I mean, I don't know where everybody else lives, but here in the Bay Area, your options are either driving or taking mass transit. Driving is, you know, like I can handle being in a car for a while, but if I don't move my knee, my leg, it starts to like lock up on me. And then when I get out of the car, I have to spend two to five minutes sitting there trying to get my kneecap to realign to its correct position, usually with a loud pop that 
nearly puts me on the ground. So is anyone else scared right now in the Bay Area thinking about Kira's driving with this kneecap that's in and out? Because, like, right now I feel like maybe I should, like, photograph his license plate and, like, post it for y'all so you can, like, hey. I don't know, pull aside. <laughs> No, I got, like I hear you, um, and then public. We'll definitely go over driving somewhere, but because my brain's on zero today, I just wanted to say like public transit. Um, I've been to other cities, countries, states, and the transit is way the fuck better. Yeah, um, but the transit here is like good for. Um, I don't know if you're going to write a novel or. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about it some in the past too about you know the situation where I got on the Bart that day and I sat down and this lady just chewed me out for sitting in the handicap seat. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm wearing my knee brace, I'm obviously hobbling along, and she gives me all kinds of, you know, grief for sitting down next to her in the handicap seat. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have so many talks, and that's a huge part of this. One of the other things, like, is, again, you know, we'll talk privilege um, for a second, which is that we are lucky enough to have the funds to have a car, yeah. which means that we don't have to wait outside in cold, wet, or rain. So all of you dealing with RA, I'm so fucking <sighs> sorry, because you have to deal with the elements. You have to deal with sitting outside and waiting for things. Um, mm-hmm. If you're doing paratransit, which is something we have here in California in the Bay Area, which is if you are disabled, there is a van that will come and pick you up, but the timing is very weird. Right. And you have to go through each stop they have to go through. So it's not a reliable way to get to work. Um, again, same with the public transit. is not a reliable way to get there. And with BART, which is our barrier rapid transit, which uh, rapid is uh, questionable. Questionable. Um, and uh, the seats are very full. This is the only way that people can get from the outside to San Francisco. And when my husband's on BART, there is standing room only. Like, it doesn't even matter if there, you're disabled. Like, there are times that I've had to wait for, when yeah. I was actually working in the city, there were times I had to wait for the next train because it was too full. I've actually, and I I've actually know people, that, a lot of people do this, not just disabled, that you'll get on the train going the opposite direction and go two or three stops yeah. so that you can get on before everybody else gets on and actually have a seat or get, get on and actually, like, have a spot where you're not, you know, because like I said, by the time it gets to some of the last stations before it exits the city, It'll show up at the station, and there's no room for any more people. So this is where I get to get to my GOP levels of rage and heart oh boy. up. So buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, that is if you are capable of walking or using a cane. Now, if you are like me, which is if we're going to be going for more than like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I need a wheelchair. The public transit here... Um, Mm, not even words. I can't even use a swear word for this. Uh, <laughs> I'll try later. That's um, scary. <laughs> uh, here's what pisses me the holy fuck off. There, I got there. Um, <laughs> if you're going to take BART, you have to use the elevators. Now, the elevators are notorious for, for not breaking down. working. And you don't necessarily know which exit you'll have to go to that will have a working elevator. And some stations don't have elevators at all. Yeah. And the elevator is also used as a public bathroom sometimes. So, and again, we will go to my joy of wheelchair. If it's on the ground, it's on my hands. Yeah. So there's just so many issues with that public transit, which is supposed to be so that everyone, everyone can move freely throughout the area safely and affordably Public transit, at least here in the Bay Area, has fallen intensely short. And that is another reason why I call us the invisibles, the missing, which is that you don't see a lot of us with wheelchairs out there living yeah. full lives, getting out and seeing things. And this is a huge part of it is we can't even access the fucking train. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I can move around decently. 
But there are a lot of um, stations where the escalators don't work. And then I have to climb stairs. And with my knee, that gets tricky sometimes. You know, I'm going really slow. And then the people are backing up behind me. And I can hear them, I hurry the hell up. And it's like, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I expected there to be an escalator. I got off at this stop because I knew there was an escalator. I'm sorry, it's not working. Yeah. I'm doing the stairs as fast as I can. So this goes to like pretty much the reason why we started this podcast, which is no one knows where someone's start point is. Some people got into a car, they had their coffee, everything went great, they got to work, and they're starting, and even they're tired and grumpy. But if you're talking about someone who is disabled, who doesn't have a car, for them to have waited for public transit, they're already so far behind the eight ball in exhaustion, mm-hmm. standing up during public transit to get to work for 45 minutes to an hour and a half, or commuting while sitting up for two hours will tax the healthiest of humans. And it's back to our thing about the spoon theory. You know, it's like you only have so many spoons to get through the day. And if you're using over half your spoons just getting to work, then you have to work all day and then you have to get home. Yeah. And it's like, wait. <laughs> so this would lead to why are we torturing ourselves to get to work? The people <laughs> who are working, I am no longer a part of all that, which is much too. We'll go back to guilt later. Yes. But I think um, knowing you, it will be on guilt all day long. Hey, you know, <laughs> From good New York Jewish stock, <laughs> I mean, guilt is my my language here. Um, but if you are from another country, and thank you so much, just so many yes. of you are listening, I am so thrilled that the podcast is better traveled than I am. Um, <laughs> you might be really confused as to why we're talking about this level of torture and torment, and we'll get to more levels of torture and torment later. But why are we doing this? Why are so many people who are disabled who getting to work is, and no exaggeration, hell and torture? Yeah. And one of the big reasons is that you can get insurance through work. Right. And thanks to the Cheeto elect um, for breaking down what we used to have, which is the ACA, the American... Uh, Oh, um, sorry. I'm doing well today. Um, But we used to have the ACA, which one of the biggest things... American Healthcare Act, isn't it? Or whatever. Anyway, it's... We will put in show notes and, um, you know, just a little side note. I have a dislocated femur right now and I can't keep food down and Kiros is uh, (laughs) dealing with massive knee pain. So we are doing the best to sound intelligent. (laughs) Um, Which is hard for us on a good day. (laughs) Yeah, and I will tell all of you exactly what I tell my teenager. Please give me a break. I'm doing my best. Um, Um, But with the the ACA, what it did, which was what was so absolutely important, was that it made it so that you could get health care even with pre-existing conditions. Yes. And speaking from an experience, I could not get health care until I married my husband. Yeah. Now, to get this before, you could get insurance through your job even with a pre-existing condition. So the only way to get yeah. insurance if you had a pre-existing condition, and by the way, pre-existing condition could be anything from acne to spousal abuse, not spousal abuse, or by the way, they were fine. It was the ones who were abused. Um, Fibromyalgia, uh, migraines. There was an entire world of reasons that you could be denied insurance. And the only way you could get the insurance was to either have a full-time job or to get married to someone who had a full-time job and had insurance. Yeah. So this is a huge reason why people push themselves so hard and go through all this to get to work is so that they can afford their fucking health care. Yeah. And I, I speak from experience with the whole pre-existing condition thing. I had a lump in a very 
delicate place. <laughs> that was kindly put. <laughs> and I let it go for two years because I was going back to school and I knew I didn't have insurance. And I was afraid that if it went on my medical record that, that I had it before then, that I wouldn't be able to get insurance when I started working again. Yeah, it got so bad that if you went to therapy, you could get put on the list of uh-huh. not being able to get insurance. So if you all are confused, this is why. <laughs> this is why people stay at work and <coughs> push themselves so far beyond what's acceptable. Although one of the things that we do have now, which I'm grateful for for so many of you, is telecommuting has become a possibility through. Yes. Um, and not to say that you are feeling healthy enough every day to even handle that. But it is something that more people have had as a possibility. So one of the things I want to touch on, uh-huh. um, which we had have in our notes here, is that um, even once you get a oh, job... Oh, the notes? You mean the ones I keep ignoring and making you move all around? Yes. That? Yes. Um, even when you have a job, one of the things that you have to deal with is maintaining throughout the day. And I'm going to speak to a very... I'm, and I'm going to apologize in advance. This is going to be very graphic. Um as we've discussed, I have a dairy allergy. Um, when I first started getting this issue, I didn't know what was making me sick. I just knew that I was suddenly feeling very sick at my stomach and having to go to the bathroom multiple times a day. At the time, I had a job. And, you know, you're trying to work at your computer and suddenly, oh, my God, I have to go right now. And you go to the bathroom. You come back 10 minutes later. Oh, my God, I've got to go to the bathroom. And you go to the bathroom because I didn't know what was causing it then. I, one day at work, went, I think, 13 times in the course of a day. So that's more than Jeez. once an hour. And, you know, my coworkers were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just, I, something's wrong with my stomach. I just came out to go to the bathroom. And this was fine the first time it happened. But after, you know, the probably 10th or 11th time this had happened over the course of like a month. Because like I said, this is when it first, I first started having trouble with dairy and I didn't know what was causing it. I was starting to get a lot of dirty comments, a lot of snarky comments and sat down with one of the bosses about, you know, what the hell? You're always in the bathroom. Do you have a drug problem? I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing drugs. I'm going in because I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (coughs) I I, I love that assumption. Like, (laughs) you know, you're going off somewhere to be private. You're coming back. Are you sniffing? You know what? They're, They're giving me the look. And it's like, you know, I didn't want to be doing this. I would rather be working. But. It wasn't an option. It was either that or go right there in my seat, <laughs> which would not have been pretty. No, no, not so. Definitely not so much. Um, and so it's, you know, sometimes just maintaining through the day. I mean, now, if I were to try and get a job now, I mean, I've got my dairy allergy under better control, but I still have bad days. But now with my foot problem and my knee problem getting to the level that they've gotten to, you know, the place I worked, we had elevators, but the elevators didn't always work. And so you had to take the stairs between levels for meetings and stuff. And that would kill me now. And we're also, I, the word privilege just rolls off my mouth all the time. But it, it, does. it is, but it's, I think it's important. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be aware of. Like it's something to always think about. And one of the things we're talking about is a job where you are a skilled worker. Yes. Now there are so many of you and so many people to, yeah. who are working at, manual labor jobs or on on lines where you can't walk off to use the bathroom over and over again. Yeah. And like, so I have POTS, I have posterior orthostatic tachycardic syndrome, which means basically my heart rate can go from 40 to 200 with almost no warning. 
And that was one of the big decisions of maybe I don't drive so much, maybe I don't work. But right at the beginning, we were still talking about what careers were possible in my family. And I was talking to the specialist, and she's like, oh, I know so many people who work, honey. It's okay. And this is Silicon Valley Stanford, by the way. And um, she said, I actually know someone who runs his own business. He runs a, a tech business. I can't tell you who it is, but you know, he runs a big tech business. And whenever he has an issue... It's one of the things you have to do is you have to lie down and get your feet above your heart rate, which, you know, want to list the jobs where you can just go ahead and do that. Um, and that's what he would do. In the middle of a meeting, he would just lay down and put his feet up because he was the fucking boss. He could do that. No one's going to tell the boss that that's not okay. Right. So that's possible. But even like if you're a teacher, you can't just lay down. Um, <laughs> yeah, that might get, that might have an interesting reaction to the students. The teacher just laid down the floor, put her feet up. <laughs> Excuse me. So a story about that. I did not do that. But what I did do, he's <laughs> like, "Where is this going, Monica? What are you going to say?" Um, which is most people who know me, their reaction. I, I, I learned to just <laughs> let it go and roll with it. Seriously, my husband doesn't even raise an eyebrow anymore. He's like, oh, she'll get there somewhere. Sometimes she'll get to the point. Oh, when I was teaching, I was, um, I was a substitute teacher. I was putting myself through college. I was working three jobs. And I got a long-term sub-assignment from someone who had my same exact disorder. <laughs> she was out for three weeks because she had a fucking union. She could take three weeks off to handle this. Mm-hmm. I, who was in the middle of a flare had to go in and take over her class for three weeks while I had horrible symptoms. And it was a, it was a very interesting class. It was a very rough school district. And I long story, I won't even go into it. But it was interesting <laughs> that there are so little protections for jobs that you don't have unions, where you don't yeah. have protections, where you have to go in and do this, and you have to be at a certain level the whole day. Well, I mean, I, 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 I know I've talked to you. I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast – when I first started having my foot problems, when I because I, I my foot problems started with a crushed nerve in my left foot, um, I got new boots for work. The boots were too narrow, and they ended up crushing the nerve in my feet between two of the bones. I walked on that for like four months, I think, trying to figure out with a doctor what was wrong. Yeah, and it was agony being on my feet all day. And when I finally had the surgery for it, they moved me to the call center because mm-hmm. I was working for the cable company at the time. I got so much grief both from the field techs who suddenly they had to cover extra work because i wasn't in the field but also from the people in the call center that what are you doing in here you know you're yeah. i was in a wheelchair they i could not walk on this they had me in a wheelchair and i got so much grief for being in there in a wheelchair you know because they all knew i was a field tech so because well, <laughs> i love messing with him in the notes but oh, this Jesus. is such a great like slide on over to working with chronic illness and invisible illness and trying to maintain throughout the day, are you allowed to take your medication? Oh geez. Yeah. We had this conversation. Uh-huh. That's why you linked. Link. That's exactly what you're so, talking about when you were working there. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, that is such like, if we're going to talk about maintaining and part of maintaining is that you have to yep. take medication. Well, if you're chronically ill, a lot of your medication, first off, I think should come with the label. May the odds ever be in your favor. Because yeah. Fuck, the side effects are intense. And the side effects can be anything from you're going to throw up all day to uh-huh. you might be dizzy to don't operate heavy machinery, machinery, which means driving or, I don't know, forklift or uh, anything that so, you need to keep your wits about you. And you are the best person to talk about this, so, so I will shut up. Yeah, at the time, I was working as a service tech for a large cable company, and I was um, operating one of those big uh, boom trucks that kind of have the, the little thing you get in and you go up and work on the lines. Mm-hmm. So talk about heavy machinery. Yeah. And 
when my foot pain got really bad, my doctor prescribed me Vicodin. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't take this. And he goes, what do you mean you can't take this? I'm like, I drive for a living. If I take this, you know, and I get an accident, I lose my job because it's considered, you know, this is an opioid. It's going to show up on the test if I had to pee. And he's like, well, just take it in, in the evening when you get home from work. I'm like, it's still going to be in my system the next day when I go to work, even if I'm not feeling the effects of it. He's like, oh, right. Uh, I guess you take ibuprofen. I'm like, yeah, I guess I take ibuprofen, which doesn't do a damn thing for this. Which is kind of like saying, oh, the Titanic crashed. Here's a pail. You can get the water out. Like, exactly. I, if I hear one more doctor say ibuprofen for chronic pain, I'm going to lose my fucking <laughs> mind. Are you like, really? So, yeah, it's it, it was a, a really rough time because I never got any relief from the pain ever. I mean, it just it was like that for months until I had the surgery. And then the surgery, like, oh, my God, it doesn't hurt until being the mutant that I am. The nerve grew back. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> Kiris and I have the world's worst X-Men powers, for fuck's sake. Really, we can gotten any of the cool, like, we can fly ones, or... Yeah. No, no, he gets nerve sick right back, and I get a skeleton that I can... I guess if I was going to be a crime fighter, I could, just, like, take my femur and throw it at someone, <laughs> so... <laughs> there's that. If you needed to squeeze through a tight area, you could dislocate everything so you could squeeze through, that's it. Yeah, that, you know, I, I guess I could go into contortionist. There's got to be, like, a, yeah, no job security Circus away! <laughs> Sure, yeah. When I start looking like one of those girls, I'll be sure to apply <laughs> until then. Maybe um, not. But I have, um, like, there's also a ridiculousness around it. Like, there is the Viking, which you, you can absolutely understand that. Yeah. But that absolutely makes sense. Um, but there are things like, okay, so I have a friend who's, I want to say what the field is, but it is a very intense field as far as nothing in your system. Mm-hmm. And she gets horrible back cramps. And I'm like, well... <coughs> I know you can't take anything, but can you just use the medical CBD marijuana rub on your back, which has no way of, like, you could get higher from Icy Hot. Mm-hmm. And she cannot use something that would actually help her and keep her from taking anything that would make her foggy just because of archaic people who watch, what was that movie, the marijuana, like, uh, Reefer Madness. Oh, jeez. Like, watch Reefer Madness and decide that they were going to, like, make policy on this. Yeah. It's just really frustrating that people aren't able to get relief or or really find ways around this to maintain throughout the day when they have to. Yeah. Like it's aside from getting your your insurance covered and so again those of you outside of the country um you guys I've heard from a lot of you that you can get supplemental insurance. So you think you know what we're talking about when we're talking about insurance and cost. No. no. Um, <laughs> not even a little bit. And thank you. It's, it's very sweet. It's like someone who's had headaches saying that they know what someone with migraine feels like. No, you don't know. Um, it's into the thousands of dollars and that's for baseline coverage, which won't cover most things. And like for us, we have to get to $3,000 in the year before it even touches anything. So I'll, I'll real briefly tell you something that happened to me recently. I'm on a particular medicine, and we've talked about horror culture, Vada, mm-hmm. which um, prevents HIV. It's a pre-exposure prophylactic. It prevents HIV. As of last year, my insurance changed such that prescriptions count toward my deductible. deductible. <laughs> so last, it. last January and February, my Trivada for one month supply was $450 each month. 
which thankfully I had. Yeah. When I went to pick it up this year, mm-hmm. evidently the the um, place I picked it up last year, the, the pharmacy I picked up at, had a coupon to drop the price. When I went to pick it up this year, um, two weeks ago, I, you know, they're like, oh, it's, it's really expensive. I'm like, yeah, I remember it was like 400 feet last year. And she goes, okay, I'll ring it up. And then she rang it up and I, my jaw hit the floor and I'm like, okay, you put that back. Yeah. I need to do some research because for a 30 day supply was $1,711. Yeah. Um, so like, even if you think that you understand our system enough to think that like, okay, so you have, you're lucky enough to have good insurance and, um, your medication is covered under that insurance. Not completely. So my medication with insurance, Mm -hmm. one of my pills is $50 a month and that's with my insurance after deductible is covered, which annoying for me, impossible for others. And it's insane to think that, and again, this is also like Karis just said that his medication went three times the amount in one year. That's nothing compared to what some of the other places have been doing where they took, um, what was the one that was an uh, brain, um, the pen for allergies. EpiPen. EpiPen went yeah. to, how much was it? Oh, I don't remember. I just remember it was insane. Yeah. I, I and of course, this is after it, they've already lobbied that every school has to have one. Exactly. And you're talking about like, this is people's lives. So there's this issue as far as like, we need to have our insurance, but for so many of us, we also need to pay rent, food, yeah, basics, and yeah, that I mean, really does keep people forcing through a lot. I, so to finish my story there, yeah, you know, she said it was going to be seventeen hundred and eleven dollars for my in, my pills for one month, and I'm like, I can't do that. That's more than my mortgage payment. Yeah, and thankfully, and this is I'm going to say this because I want other people to know about things like this. If you have trouble paying for your medication. Go online, search for coupon and the name of the medication. Because I went online and searched for the Truvada and coupon, mm-hmm. and the company that makes it, Gla- uh, uh, is it Klein? No, what's what, I just? It's okay. Gilead. Well, we will like Gilead has a card you can get that pays your deductible to get their medicine. That's pretty cool. There's actually an app that does that too, and I'll okay. link that in the notes as well. So it ended up. Dropping my $1,711 down to zero. That's that's impressive. So, yes. So, I want to make sure I mention that because that is important to know. It is. And we'll, we'll link all of this in the show notes. And I actually have an app that my um, my cardiologist gave me that does the same thing in just an app. So, that'll be, that will be linked as well. Excellent. Um, so, um, kind of back to the when you're working thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have If you have wearables... <laughs> um, things like tens units, things like uh-huh. um, special braces and stuff. Can you wear those at work? And can you work all the way to your? It's like um, for wrist braces. So I have way intense wrist braces, but I've seen at the grocery store the people who have the braces that mm-hmm. are. And I'm wondering if they're even enough for them, or if it's just like the level that they need to have just to be able to keep working right. all day. And it's kind of crazy. And we always joke about it because um, I'm built somewhere near Jessica Rabbit proportions. And like one of my wearables is yes. a, I have to corset. wear a corset, which is not the sexy hot ones, but it does add to this Jessica Rabbit proportion style. And it, it, wearing that at work when I was teaching was definitely not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No, that would, that would not be good walking into a classroom. No, that would start puberty. <laughs> 
It was bad enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen her in this particular device, and she looks like she's on her way to a Ren Fair. <laughs> Which, you know, I actually loved Ren Fair just because, of course, it's made my back feel better. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, I've lost my train of thought. Because you move around all the time, you made me lose my place. This is all my fault. Any unprofessionalism that takes place here, just, it's me. And so one of the things that was going on with the wearables is, um, like, for me, I'm in a wheelchair a lot of times. And when I'm not, I, I use my sticks quite often. And to be taken seriously (laughs) in any situation, um, first off, uh, feminist, um, being female is hard enough in a room full of usually whatever, whatever you're saying doesn't matter. Ah, fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um, to be listened to just being female is hard. Um, female with boobs, really hard. Female in wheelchair. Are you kidding? Like watching people talk over you is really amazing and I don't know the answer to it because I don't like when people kneel down either to talk to me I'm like okay now feel five um but you do have an issue with they will talk to the person next to you Mm -hmm. even about what you're saying like you can say something and the miracle of all miracle happens where they actually understood that you said it but they still talk to the person person next to you about what you just said you're like "Mm, really and so it is hard to get the level of respect and understanding and let's just discuss getting around at work for a minute So if you're in a wheelchair or you have sticks or canes, um, so one of the issues for me was like working at schools and they're supposed to be ADA compliant, right? especially in California, especially in the Bay Area. However, I have yet to be at a school that had more than two handicap spots. Mm-hmm. That is for all the students in the school, mm-hmm. all of the staff at the school who mm-hmm. might be disabled. And that is it too. And then trying to get through halls with mm-hmm. people. So like when I was in high school, I... I had months where I couldn't walk. So I'd be on crutches Mm -hmm. and um, just trying to get through safely high school with Mm -hmm. like the crush of students Students, right? was so dangerous and so hard for me just to get back and forth to classes and to sit in those lovely desks that my son has wonderful things to say about like sitting (laughs) there. Um, But you know, if there's any teenagers listening to this, you have my utter sympathy. The hardest thing was being, disabled and in chronic pain in high school because being taken seriously as someone with chronic pain as an adult is fucking hard as a teenager oh my god you poor babies i am so sorry because it was a nightmare it was like first assumption you are mentally ill (laughs) or you're faking it or you're faking it more so even than an adult yeah so much more and um for you teenage females oh i'm sorry my heart goes out to you just let understand I survived it's survivable but it's really hard and this is where I'm going in my head because I really um the second I couldn't really figure out working anymore I just started businesses so that I could run a business because somehow in my head I thought hey that seems easier to be able to do because I don't have to be somewhere to yeah no trust me not easier much more way harder so much more work um but I haven't had the experiences since after like my early twenties of having a boss tell me I have to do this. This has to get done right now. I mm-hmm. have to drive here, except for when I was, you know, a photographer and we had to to be at shoots and weddings at certain times. But um, yeah, it's really hard to get around in a a campus atmosphere. Even places like I went to Facebook because really I love going to cool new campuses because <laughs> I. It's fascinating. And even getting around there was hard. Getting around the Google campus was hard. Yeah. And that surprised me. And they really did make an effort. I have to seriously give them some massive props. They tried. 
Um, I don't know how many of these places have people try it out. Yeah. Or if there is an elevator or a ramp, you know, how far do you have to go out of your way to get to that thing and then get back? So you have to plan a lot more time to get places. Yeah. And this is a, when I, I went back to school in my late 30s at University of Washington in Seattle, and I had a really good friend who was in a wheelchair. He had had a diving accident and he was paralyzed from the neck down. We went to a symposium one evening in a building, took the elevator up to the third floor for the meeting. While we were up there, it was after hours. They turned the elevators no! off. That's horrible. We had to call the fire department to have them come turn the elevators back on because we couldn't get a hold of anybody else. Oh, my God. And they were, they were ready to just pick him up because he had a motorized wheelchair. Pick him up, carry him down the stairs, and carry the motorized wheelchair down the stairs from the third floor. You know how that happened to me? I'm not surprised. It was not for work, but it easily was work for someone else because it was mm-hmm. my doctor. Yeah. A doctor, by the way, people. Um, third floor up, and the elevator wasn't working. Uh-huh. They had to carry me in my wheelchair down all the stairs, which was terrifying. Mm-hmm. But that's that's something that happens all the time. Like, you know, if you've been reading the blog, you see me bitch and moan about the place I used to go for physical therapy. No shade on my physical therapist. She's awesome. It's not her fault. But the building that was under the control of the building management, mm-hmm. they would park in all the handicap spots and the elevators almost never worked. So after I dislocated my femur, I had to like go down using my sticks three oh, flights geez. of stairs. No. Which that was that time that I was gone for like three weeks yeah. because I had to be in bed because I messed up my femur doing that. But that that's the thing is that you don't I mean even when you see a building that has elevators, yeah. has escalators, whatever, if that breaks down you suddenly have a massive breakdown of a person's ability to get around in that building. Or safety. Yes. And heaven forbid you have to go to the bathroom while you're at work. Good God. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. So there's a lot of places that feel very certain that they are ADA compliant with their bathrooms. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> because I, I've been to places that were completely flat, easy to get around. <coughs> Michael's. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to call one out for a minute and uh yeah i probably spent way too much money and time there but just getting into their bathrooms was so interesting i called the manager over and this is why totally flat area but to get in there was like this little bump where the door closed oh yeah but it was a high enough bump that i couldn't just wheel over i had to actually pop a wheelie which by the way cool um if i could have just done a tokyo drift into the stall i would have been complete <laughs> i could have died happy um however i didn't have to do that but what it, i did have to do was to call over the manager and go hey why don't you try this just try to get in using my wheelchair to get into the bathroom because you seem to think that this is all okay. And I'm just a customer who has to do this once. I am assuming that Michael's policy is not to discriminate against disabled workers. I'm oh, assuming guilt. Uh, you know, New York Jewish stock here. Thank you. I can do guilt. Um, usually you reserve for yourself. Don't usually dish with other people. <laughs> you haven't seen me parent very often. Have you? <laughs> um, but I really did want them to understand because a lot of the times I get the like big sad eyes nod. Yes, we're doing our best or no, we're in compliance. And it's like, eh, no one asked me about what the compliance would look like. Um, and it Compliance shouldn't mean that I should have to be able to do something that a stuntman can do to get to the bathroom. And if it's that way for me to do it once, 
what would it be like if you are an employee here that has to do it multiple times a day? That would be a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And um, I was I was very frustrated by that. And I'm very frustrated by things that are like even getting into a store. And I know this is like sounding like we're not talking about employment, but we are because there are people in wheelchairs who are employed at these companies yeah. and this is how they get into work. Now, there is a law that I think it's a 30% grade. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, not exact by any means, by the way. But 30% is actually a pretty fucking intense grade. Now, to open a door while you are in a wheelchair, <laughs> he's laughing at me already. Oh, yeah. Um, because- I, I, I- so with my foot problems, I've been in a wheelchair multiple times. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah. So if you haven't tried this, and this is, again, you know, sick world, healthy world, this is no shade on you if you've never thought on this. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have ever considered it because you won't consider most of the things that will drive you to distraction until you're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And um, what you have to do is actually wheel up the ramp, which, you know, I get like the Linda Hamilton arms of steel Terminator woman doing this stuff. Or or you're grabbing onto the railing and pull. Yeah. Quick grab, pull. Quick grab, pull. You would be so impressed how many people will just stand around and watch just out of sheer entertainment. I I guess there's got to be a good YouTube video of me doing this somewhere. (laughs) Uh, But you basically have to wheel up, and then you can't put the brakes on because you're going to need to wheel forward. So you have to hold your wheel Mm -hmm. while you shove open a door, and then at the last minute you have to grab the bar at the perfect time so you can pull yourself through. Or if it opens towards you, then you got to, like, try and get your feet out of the way. I mean, not- I don't even bother with that. Then I'm just like, either screw it or whatever. But this is, like, how far you have to go. Or if you are um, walking with a cane or sticks, like, I wear, I use sticks, so they they hold up to, like, my... Um, They're like crutches, except they have a, a long brace that are forearms sit on. Yeah, and that's what I use, like, 90% of the time. So to open the door, I either have to take my arm out of the stick and, like throw it open and then quickly I, I like shove the stick into the door so it doesn't close <laughs> I'm telling you if you guys have not like seen me and video record this and put it up on YouTube you're missing views because I'm sure that would that would do well set to some good music next time I'm out with you I'm, I'm videoing you doing this so I can post it I am actually so shocked he has not taken more embarrassing videos of me falling down or <laughs> it, it happens way too often but these are things that annoy me because I have a choice to walk into that place I have a choice to shop at <coughs> Michael's um, <laughs> I have a decision that's that's my good fortune but if someone needs that job that is not something that they get to choose this is something they have to deal with every day so if we're going to break down for a second what someone who has chronic illness is dealing with on a day-to-day basis and their basic concerns and oh i forgot when we didn't even write down how did i forget this oh my god it's a huge issue that i hadn't totally blanked on if you have chronic illness you have a calendar that is full of all of your doctor's appointments. Yeah. We in America do not have unlimited sick leave. I know other countries, you are looking at us laughing, and God knows I absolutely agree with you for laughing. But my husband actually has to parse out his sick days on how many he can take to take me to doctor's appointments. So the entire family has like banded together to get me to all my doctor's appointments in a week. But if I was working in a job with people who were relying on me, that would be like an absolute impossibility to get to all these appointments and not get fired for the amount of times just for my doctor's appointments, let alone all the time I would have to take off 
for, you know, hey, I tried to get to work today, but my tibia went uh, two inches sideways, so I'm going to have to not come in. So just to keep employed as someone with chronic illness and invisible illness between the doctor's appointments, the procedures, Mm. and the time off for being sick. I mean, my husband has a hard time with this just not being the one who's sick, but just the times that we, yeah, the breakthrough times where he'll have to stay home because I can't, I can't even get out of bed, like, or I need to get to, like, next week is uh, my surgeon. Mm -hmm. And I do not want my poor mom to have to drive me all the way to Stanford. So my husband has to take the day off to drive me to talk to another surgeon who will probably just raise an eyebrow and say sorry. Which also, you know, you don't have unlimited sick time, but... To do that, it means you're using all your sick time and all your vacation time, which yeah. means you don't get any vacation either. So, oh, and are- yeah, and, um, again, all of you who are not in America, we get, um, and it's not even guaranteed. No, it is absolutely not guaranteed. My husband, um, when he first started working, got two weeks of vacation. Yeah, yeah, um, so that's that's doing well, by the way. That's certainly yeah. not a guaranteed right in this country to have yeah, vacation. Yeah, and I have time. burned through sick and vacation. Um, yeah. at places from dealing with doctor's appointments. And I can't stuff. believe I forgot about that. That's such a big issue for why people get fired. And that's one of the big questions when you sign up for things like social security and Medicaid and disability. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, there's a lot of issues with if you demand people to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, which is another little question mark right now. Seriously, the Cheeto elect is going to put all of us into disability with anxiety, if nothing else. Yeah. But um, the that states will get to decide if... Um, People on disability have to work. Yeah. And please don't get me wrong. I would trade so much to not be disabled and to oh. work full-time. <laughs> please understand, I am not sitting here eating bonbons and watching soap operas, although sometimes that sounds fun. Um, just <laughs> not in my makeup to do that, and not working has driven me to distraction, which is why you are listening to my voice today, is because I couldn't stand not doing things. So I started the podcast so I could feel important again. <laughs> I'm busy. Um, but so much of of who we are is really wrapped up in this identity of working. And yeah. if you are someone who stays home, it is really hard to feel like you're part of the herd. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, besides doing the podcast, I write books and, you know, so that I am quote unquote doing something. I take care of our house for the three of us. And even then, you know, there are times where I've looked at the guys and like, I just want to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I want to feel like, you know, I have my own money to spend that I'm not feeling like I'm a burden on you guys. And they look at me and they're like, you are in no shape. Yeah. You know, just trying to like take care of the house on a given day and do your writing. You're in agony and you're hobbling around by the end of the day. I remember what it was like when you worked. You were not in good shape. Yeah. I mean, like, so the big joke in this house, which Kiris has been fully aware of, yes. is every time I feel good. And by the way, feeling good for me is my pain levels at a seven. And I have sublocations, not mass dislocations. So that's my feeling good. And I haven't painted or fallen down for three days. And everyone knows it's been three days because I start looking up how to get my teaching credential. Because I have <laughs> most of my stuff done, but I, I would still need to finish awesome stuff. So I'm like, look, I could totally do this. I could go to work in my wheelchair and I wouldn't have to leave my wheelchair and I could become the teacher I wanted to be and I could do this. And everyone's very kind and nods and smiles and waits because it's almost a countdown <laughs> to like, <laughs> and to the, next, the next major dislocations in five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it's, come on. I've watched you dislocate your wrist 
wrist just drawing while we were doing a podcast. <laughs> she's got a, 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 a iPad Pro with he's a pen, so calling me with out Apple everything. pencil, and she's sitting there drawing while we're working on stuff. And all of a sudden, I hear this, and I look over, and there is this bone sticking out that it shouldn't be sticking out. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, uh, he's calling me out. I do not draw the entire time we're doing this, but I, I didn't say all the time. <laughs> and, I'm just saying I've seen this happen. Yeah, and so Kira writes books, and um, I I do still write children's books, and I do still illustrate, and I thought that's what I would do after my business, but even that became um, impossible when my my right wrist started dislocating all the time. So it's this constant, like, and I'm lucky enough that I can keep moving around on things to what fits my body. I have that <laughs> luck. I have that incredible luck. And to we're back to, to privilege. That. We're back. And we will keep doing that. And I will keep ranting and raving about feminism and privilege over and over and over again. <laughs> and again, privilege, seriously, if you have it, congratulations, salute. That's awesome be thrilled it makes your life easier and i am certainly grateful for mine but it is also something to be really mindful of and to never ever ever call yourself self-made to never sit there and talk about how you did everything yourself at the very least you went on roads that everyone paid paid for for. you went through an education there are people who held your hand Drives me nuts when I hear that stuff. Yeah, it just makes me insane. And the thing that I hate about it is the idea of turning around judging other people for oh, yeah. not hitting your level. And that's a lot of what we're talking about here today. And that's why we decided to do this on work and disability, because chances are someone in your life is dealing with things you cannot imagine. So, if And especially have, now that, you know, we have people working into later and later years. Ah, yeah. So you have, you know, people that my grandmother worked at Walmart and not as a greeter, but back in the, the, the fabric department, well into her 70s and 80s. And again, this is not because she really loved working. This is no. because the, there's not a lot of safety nets to be able to retire. Which kind of leads into another topic we had, another note we had on here, which was retirement. When you don't work. Oh, God. Yeah. When, when you're out of the workforce, you're not paying into Social Security. Social Security. You're not paying into a 401k. You're Which not is paying- how much you have to live on for the rest of your life. Right. So people that are, not in other, that are in other countries don't understand that the way you take care of yourself when you're a senior citizen in this country is Social Security, which is based on how much money you've paid into it over your lifetime, how much you've worked, and 401ks, savings, stuff like this. But again... If you're not working, you have no way to put into those things mm. to have money for retirement. So you're kind of just And if you already stuck. have a chronicle, a chronicle, a chronicle, we're going to the Chronicles of Mernia. Um, <laughs> if you have chronic illness, your retirement is not going to be like a lot of people's retirement. You are going to need tremendous amounts of money to handle your medical needs. Like, yes. We will keep bitching and whining about this and talking about this because... I get to interview a lot of you in Germany and Australia and Canada, and um, wow, we're jealous. We're so, so very jealous. I mean, first off, having sane leadership is lovely, but um, <laughs> that there's actually some value on the human existence. And a lot of what we're talking about is just to understand that if your coworker is falling asleep at their desk, they might not be lazy. If someone is constantly late getting into work, it might not be because they aren't managing their time correctly. Like it's, I really want people to start taking a minute before making judgments and maybe thinking the best of people until they prove you wrong. (laughs) 
it'd be a great start. I know that's a silly thing or it's, funny thing for someone to say who rails about the GOP. So, beyond, hey, any GOP person who wants to meet with me and talk to me about this stuff, I will withhold judgment until I talk to you. Beyond taking a minute, talk to people. Uh, yes. Talk to them. You know, are you doing okay? It could be, you know, I mean, it could be anything from, you know, your cat just died or, you know, and so they're feeling really down to... Oh, well, you know, I've got this chronicle, Ill, chronic, chronicle, now you got me saying it. <laughs> I did it. I've got a this chronic. like that uh, Bugs I, Bunny. <laughs> yes. I've got a chronic illness and, you know, I got up this morning and my feet were flared up and every step getting to work was like walking on knives. And I, But I got here. It just took me a long time because everything hurt. So when I was working with my first pregnancy, I was teaching. And I was doing a before after school program. So I had a chronic illness. I was pregnant which my body hates more than anything in this world because i throw up from the time and I wake yet up you did it twice uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> yes i did there were six years between them though you forgot <laughs> no I, see. I absolutely didn't that's why there were six years between the two of them <laughs> um but this is how i got treated when i was pregnant and with a chronic illness um so i was throwing up all the time mm-hmm. and i was running a before after school program i think i only missed a day or two okay but i could not stop throwing up and uh, the people I was working with, my direct boss was trying to get me fired hmm. and was trying to get the kids to say mean things about me. Oh, and that's lovely. Yes, yes. And um, she, was, she was very upset about me being sick and not feeling well. And even down to my chronic illness, was, it got so bad they had to bring in a mediator. Wow. Because they were so incredibly abusive that I was not at the top of my game. I wasn't at the bottom of my game either. I, I absolutely discharged all my duties. I adore kids. I had so much fun at that job if I didn't have to deal with the people who were in constant judgment of me. And it was so, you know, it goes to like how you start faking it. Yeah. And how you start pushing yourself beyond what you can do to go, no, no, look, I'm fine. It's like the little wounded gazelle going, don't look here, lion. I'm doing great. Watch me leap. <laughs> you yeah. really start to get that mentality of you can't show any weakness. You can't show anything. And it really starts to affect every part of you. Because, you know, just like with the spoon theory, you can push yourself beyond your limits a day, maybe even two days. But then, you know, you've exhausted all your spoons for the next two days. So you're, you know, I used to push through, you know, and get to my weekends and then my weekends, I couldn't get out of bed. I I would lay there with pillows under my feet to elevate my feet because I couldn't walk on my weekends. And if any of you guys are thinking, Hey, I will uh, run a business myself so that I don't have to deal with this. I, I was a photographer and Oh God, I loved it so much. That was, um, Oh, I miss it. I miss it so, so much. Do not think that I wouldn't do almost anything to get back to running my own business and working all the time. Um, But it was so bad that wonderful, kind clients would have to help me with everything, with props, with moving anything. I had to change out my gear. I had to um, get rid of all of my computer computer stuff and my um, cameras and switch out to lighter lighter and lighter things until I couldn't even get back. Like I would shoot for one hour and then I couldn't even get in my car and drive home. So it's, um, it, it's definitely like, I guess the lesson there is that it's not easy either way. And, um, and definitely there's, there's really just no easy answer to it. No. I mean, you, you either, you have a choice of work for somebody else and deal with, 
okay, my illness is getting in the way and I'm going to get flack from it at work unless you have an exceedingly good boss or you are the boss. Or you're going to work 80 hours a week trying to run a business. Yeah, which has its own problems. Or, you know, you can support Curious and I with um, our writing and uh, <laughs> click on the Amazon link and buy either of our books. <laughs> we always appreciate plug, that. Plug, plug. so many plugs. I'm taking notes from RuPaul on how to plug everything at all times. If you're listening to us, like, laughing right now a little bit, my cat is being relentless. About to wanting to be up on the bed, and it's wet. No, and she, she's pure evil. She actually knows where my dislocations are and jumps on them. Oh, that's right. I love her for it. A cat should be evil. Sorry, total sideline, but I think we've actually gotten to one hour. Yeah, just about. And um, if any of you have your own stories of how to work through illness, either just to rant or just to ask for advice or, and if you want to ask for advice, we do have a Facebook group yeah. and a community. Please be active there or just leave messages on our, um, on the comment section and give advice. Tell us what you're thinking and feeling, or if you think that even down to what we should start calling and talking to our representatives and our Senate about. And um, we can start making those phone calls, yeah. too. And you can as well on what you think is necessary for everyone to be a part of the society and to have meaningful work, not just the work that the disability office is. Um, yeah. Yeah. They'll send you those things where you can be in a call center. Yeah. Um, and not to say it's not meaningful. If that's what you're doing, hey, good, good job on being calm and kind. I, that's <laughs> way better than I can do. I've done that. It sucks. I haven't. And I'm very thankful for that. But I'm very thankful to the people who are nice enough to answer the phones. <laughs> yes. So uh, real quick, I want to kind of put a plug for our next panel discussion. Ooh. So um, I leave on Sunday. My husband, David, has to uh, go on a whirlwind tour for work around several different countries. And so how smallest violin. No, no, no. I'm not complaining about it. I'm, I'm trying to put out there about what the next panel is going to be about. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to be blogging the entire time I'm gone. Um, we go to London, we go to Sweden, we go to Switzerland, and then we go to India for a week. Um, so it'll be a two week trip, four countries. And I mean, I'm already doing some of the work ahead of time because I've arranged to have dairy free meals on a lot of flights. And for us. But, well, that's just experience. <laughs> but I'm going to blog about everything I deal with. You know, I'm going to take pictures of how long the lines are. I'm going to take pictures of things and maybe some uh, video blogging even. I don't know. I'm going to try and get basically my entire trip blogged. And these are all the travel things that you deal with when you have a disability. Yeah, so we're going to meet back up when he gets back. After and we're going to record yeah, our next panel try on... over my jealousy. We're going to um, record our next panel on disability and travel. Yes. So, until next time... Be kind. Be gentle. Be a fucking badass. Be a badass.